Okay, well, uh, you probably picked up on the theme of the morning from the opening video to the, uh, I think it was a Stevie Wonder song. Um, and then, you know, obviously this last song kind of setting the stage for a series that we're kicking off today called Parenting in the 21st Century. Before we get to that, I want to thank Jalen. Jalen is a senior uh, down at Spring Arbor University, and we called her like, I think we got in touch with her like Wednesday and was like, hey, you want to sing a song? I know we've never met, but you should come to our church and just... Sing this song for us, and she nailed it, did a great job, really appreciate uh, her taking the time to do that for us this weekend. Um, and also, if you're new or newer to Fieldstone, I know we didn't have our usual announcement time, um, thanks for joining us. Welcome to Fieldstone. My name is Justin. I'm the lead pastor here at Fieldstone. And if you are new, we'd love to get to know you. Um, back on the info center table in the lobby, there are connection cards so let us know who you are, where you're coming from, how we can serve you. That's available online as well at fieldstonechurch.org. Um, and then we also have a thing called Fieldstone 101, where if you're checking us out, trying to get a feel for what our church is about, that's what we call your first next step. And we offer that about once a month, sometimes a little bit more uh, after the second service. That's, the next one is going to be November 7. So if you're checking us out, circle that date on your calendar. That'll follow the second service on that Sunday, and we'll just kind of give you a chance to hear all the basics. But So we're into this series, and I, I don't know if you realize it or not, but raising kids these days is a little bit difficult. Okay, It's a tough time. I get a chance to interact with quite a, quite a few people in, in the world of church, and there's some veteran parents that I interact with quite a bit. People in our church, people who are experienced, people who are wise, people that I would consider to be godly parents who, these people have been through the battles, right? They have, they have good perspective on the past and what they've come through. They have good perspective on the present. They have navigated the terrible twos. They've dealt with school boards. They've been through illnesses. They've navigated the world of youth sports and trying to balance all that stuff. They've done the last-minute science projects. They've figured out the boyfriend-girlfriend thing. They've had to figure out which prom dress are we actually going to say yes to. They've navigated college choices with their kids, navigated career choices with their kids. They've, they've done the wedding thing, and they've come out the other side with kids that I would look at and say, these kids are healthy, these kids love Jesus, and some of these kids are starting families of their own. And so these veterans I'll talk to, I, I've had a chance to just ask them, hey, t let's talk about life, let's talk about parenting, let's talk, at the, at, at, let's talk about the world. And they'll look at me with extra lines in their forehead and go, I, I don't think I could do it today. I don't think I could do it. They say, I'm afraid for my kids, I'm afraid for my grandkids. I don't know what kind of a world we've left for them. I don't know how you parent in the 21st century. These are people who have been through it. And they're saying, I don't know if I could do it. And I walk away from those conversations encouraged and optimistic <laughs> about life here in the 21st century and raising young kids. And, and just, you know, when it comes to this series, one of our values here at Fieldstone is to be family-focused. And 
And we've got lots of parents, lots of families in different stages and seasons of, of family life. And so we wanted to address the issue because it is tough to raise kids in the 21st century. There are issues that parents face today that previous generations never dreamed of facing. So in some ways, parents today are in uncharted territory. But at the same time, in some ways, maybe they're not in uncharted territory. Because right now, as Joe uh, did last week he talked about the different generations that we've seen, generations that are coming. Um, and, and last week's talk really became a great transition between our Reset series and this and our, our parenting series. Um, so many of us, many of you, are raising kids who would be called Gen Z, right? Kind of that 20, 25 and under. And we're facing weird things. Our kids are growing up. Uh, they experienced a recession back in 08. They've experienced the tech boom. They've, they're living through the COVID stuff. And, and even facing things like gender confusion, right? Kids are growing up in a very difficult world. And yet you look back at some of you raised millennials, right? Some of you have grown kids who are starting their families. And, and your kids, you, you had to raise them through White House scandals. You had to raise them through the redefinition of marriage. You had to raise them through the, the years of Columbine and, and all the school shootings as they started back in the late 90s. And you had to raise them through 9-11 and try to explain to them what that was about and how we're supposed to live in that type of world. Some of you are old enough that you raised Gen Xers. And you had to raise your kids watching terrorism happen at the Olympics. You had to raise your kids through the onset of the HIV-AIDS epidemic. You had to raise them through the 80s where many hardcore drugs became a little bit more mainstream. You raised them at a time where TV changed, right? Cable TV came through, MTV happened, and all of a sudden, I Love Lucy was a thing of the past. And there were things being put on TV that would never be put on TV. You had to raise your kids through that. Now, I don't know that there's anyone here who raised boomers. I know we have some boomers in the crowd, but those of you who are boomers, your parents raised you through the civil rights movement, through Vietnam, through sending you to school to hide under desks for your nuke drills. Your parents raised you through a presidential assassination, through a sexual revolution of the 60s and 70s. They raised you as Roe v. Wade was happening, and everything seemed like it was an upheaval. So we can look at the 21st century and say, oh my goodness, there are issues parents are facing that no one has ever faced. How are we supposed to raise our kids? What are my grandkids going to be faced with? And yet we can look back and the reality is that it's been tough to raise kids in every generation. And so I want to address the challenge over the next few weeks. And yet we can't possibly address all of the current issues that parents face and all of the current issues that parents will face in the future. And so here's, here's what this series won't be. The series won't be full of just practical little tidbits on an assortment of current events and parent issues. Right? We're not going to decide if you should be spanking or not spanking. We're not going to decide if you should do homeschooling or public schooling or private schooling. We're not going to decide how you handle the next curriculum debate. We're not going to figure out how to navigate puberty or, or, or whether you're going to allow your kids to date or not date. Those are all important issues. They're all big issues. Some of it will come up, but that, the series isn't to address every specific possible issue that a parent could come across. Because what we find is that some issues, even some of the big issues, they don't apply to everyone. 
And what we can do is we can look around and see a lot of amazing parents who have handled things very differently from each other in a lot of different areas. And we find out that one way or another has never proven to be the only way. And one way or another has never proven to be a guarantee of success as you're raising your kids. So, so it's not going to be just let's, let's decide this issue and that issue and here's how you handle this and that. Some of that will come up, but some of that's going to be on you to take the big principles and apply those down to your present situation. But what it will be is full of what I believe to be important biblical wisdom when it comes to raising kids. Today we're going to start with kind of an overarching truth that will carry us through. Next week we're going to look at what's the real, what's ideal, and what's the role of grace in between those two things. Week three will be a little bit more practical, some practical wisdom from Scripture when it comes to kids. And then week four, and and you have cards either on your seat or near your seat. Week four, uh, a good chunk of the content that day is going to be a chance. Joe and I are going to come up here and sit and and, uh, take some of the questions that you submit over the next few weeks. Probably won't do like an open mic thing, not that brave. Uh, But if you have questions about parenting, whether we address it or not over the next couple weeks, uh, feel free to throw it on one of these cards and, and just put it in the black box on your way out the room. If you think of it during the week, you can email us, info at fieldstonechurch.org. Just let us know uh, what your question is, and we'll try to hit as many as we can. If we get a lot, we might have to categorize them so not every specific one will get hit. Um, this, and now this isn't like um, try to make Justin and Joe feel awkward on stage type of a game. If you have legit questions, <laughs> we're not, not looking for you to mess with us. Um, but feel free to throw those on there, and, and we'll, we'll take some time on that fourth week to just hit any specific questions that parents may have uh, going into that week. Now, some of you are sitting out there thinking, oh, great, we decided to try this church, and we're, uh, we're not parents. I'm, I'm, I'm not a parent. Are we go here? Is the, are the next four weeks not for us? Well, I'd say, okay, well, what about those of you who aren't parents yet? Right? We've got some people in the room who are not parents yet. I'd say take notes. This will apply to you, if not later. Uh, certainly there's some things right now that will apply to you. What about some of you who would say, well, we're not really parents anymore. Not that you've lost your kids, but your kids are grown. Some of them are parents even now. Some of you have grandkids or even great-grandkids. What about those of us? We're not in this season anymore. We don't have little kids at home. We're not raising children. I would say, help us pass this on. Okay? It takes a village. Right? You have Maybe grandkids. There are other people's kids that are in your sphere of influence. So help us take some of these principles and pass them on to those who are raising kids and those who someday will be raising kids. Now, some of you are maybe sitting there and recognize, even in a a crowd this size or some who will be watching online later this morning, some of you may be watching who can't be parents or for whatever reason have chosen not to be parents. I would say, similar to what we've said to those who are done with that season of life, Help us pass it on, right? It takes every generation, multiple influences, multiple people to help raise kids, especially here in the 21st century. And so help us. And I would even say these truths that we're going to hit over the next couple weeks, they will apply to you even if you're just trying to be a better aunt or a better uncle or a better neighbor or a better co-worker. Now, honestly, the language we're going to use over the next few weeks is very much parent and child language, right? Talking about parents and their kids and dealing with that and navigating that season of life. And so what I want to challenge you to do is take that language of parenting and and raising kids and apply it to your specific situation if you're not in that season of raising kids. I think that some of the things that we hit over the next few weeks will apply to anyone who's trying to take what you know, take what you've experienced, take what you have in Christ 
and instill that in anyone else. Okay, so if you find yourself in a situation where you are, uh, like I said, an aunt or an uncle, or simply a neighbor to some neighbor kids, or a mentor, or you just have someone in your life of any age that you're trying to pass wisdom and Jesus onto, I think that we can take the principles of this series and utilize those. So stick with us, and if not, Christmas in Malachi starts Thanksgiving weekend, and so if you need to just disappear for a couple weeks, so be it. Uh, we'll see you at Thanksgiving. Let me, let me pray for us, and then we'll, we'll kick off the series. Father, we, we thank you for the chance to gather. Thanks for the, the, the worship team and, and Jalen and for those serving with our kids and those back at the tech booth. God, so many uh, greeting this morning. God, so many people who uh, have invested time, talent, and resources into this church family uh, to make it a life-giving place, to make it a place where people can come of all ages, hear your word, sing your praises. Uh, God, we pray that you would continue to bless our time. And as we embark on this series, God, certainly for the parents, but also, God, for the grandparents, for the, the relatives, for the neighbors, for the babysitters. God, for all of us who have influence, uh, may we reach the next generation to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, if the issues of the 21st century are so severe, and if each generation of parents is ultimately facing new and almost impossible to predict issues, then what are we left with? Right? How, how do we prepare for these things? How do we know what to do when those things come up? Thankfully, the Bible is awesome. The God who wrote it is awesome. And the people God wrote it through, they face difficult issues as well. They face difficult times in their lives. And so uh, we're going to end up at 1 Corinthians 11.1 1, if you want to kind of start navigating your app or flipping your Bible to that direction. 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 is our big verse for today. But before we read that, just a little bit of context for this, this book uh, this first letter to the Corinthians, really both letters that Paul sent to the church in Corinth. Like most of his letters, this was written to believers around the world. And what was unique to this time is that all of those believers were new believers, right? There, there were no 30, 40, 50-year Christians. we got people in this room who have been following Jesus for 60, 70 years. Those people didn't exist because this faith, this, this following of Jesus only existed a couple decades at this point. And so basically everyone reading this letter was a new believer. And among these new believers, you have a mix. You've got some Jewish converts and you've got some Gentiles who heard the gospel and jumped in. And so, so these Jewish converts are saying, how do, we, how do we balance our heritage? We've got all these 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 scriptures that we call the Old Testament, they've got all these scriptures that have been a part of their lives forever, been a part of their, their people forever. How do we take that heritage, which is integral to the Christian faith, and balance that with our new faith in Jesus, right? Because, because of this new faith, we have new tension with our families. We're, we're trying to figure out what's new, what are we being called to, versus what's relevant from before. So, so you've got these Jewish converts navigating this tension, and now you've got these Gentile converts, all these non-Jewish people, Romans of some type here in the Roman world. They're saying, man, we, the world we live in is very different from what you're calling us to step into in this new faith in Christ. And so as we get into 1 Corinthians and other letters that Paul wrote, Paul is going through what life is supposed to look like in this new faith, in this thing called the church, in this thing called following Jesus. He's talking about how to worship, how to live, how to handle communion, what in the world is communion, how do we handle public prayer. What, Paul is saying this is what God says, this is what God is calling us to in regards to sex. This is what God is calling us to when it comes to leadership his way. What about civil issues and lawsuits 
God's way? How do we do marriage God's way? How do we handle food sacrifice to idols God's way? That's something we all struggle with every day, right? How do we, how do we handle this balance between having this freedom in Christ and yet at the same time being called to a life of discipline and self-control? And so as we come to chapter 10, Paul kind of warns them and says, hey, I know these are difficult things to, to navigate, but he says these things matter. They're tough they're hard to figure out. They're hard to understand, especially in our world, in the midst of these current events as we're trying to raise kids. And he says, we can even look back on our Old Testament examples and see that there were different issues, but similar struggles. And Paul says, our obedience to these everyday issues matters to God. So he's building the tension a little bit as he goes through these things. And so I want to read the end of chapter 10. So this will be 1 Corinthians 10 starting in 23 and then on to the end of the chapter. And we start to get a little feel for some of the things that they were dealing with in their generation. Paul says, I have the right to do anything. That's what you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience, for the earth is the Lord and everything in it. If an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it, both for the sake of the one who told you and for the other person's conscience, not yours. For why, why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience? Some of you have asked that question uh, recently, I think, as you've navigated life. If I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced because I, of something I thank God for? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Now, these seem like strange topics to us. We are not navigating the issue of food sacrifice to idols and whether or not we should eat it. So, and so some of these things are very unique to their time, their context, their culture, their generation. So what, the, what are these things? What are these issues? Well, what they are is these are their issues in their generation. These are the issues that they had to navigate. These are the issues they had to help their kids navigate. And I can even see some of their grandparents saying, gosh, I don't envy you. I don't know if I could do it today. It was tough enough to raise kids in this Roman culture and try to figure out what's right and what's wrong and what's acceptable and what do we avoid and what do we do. And now you throw Jesus and this new faith into the mix. I don't think I could do it. So these are things that they are navigating these and things that Paul mentions before, and then he moves on to other things. But right in the middle of all this, so he's hitting all these different topics. Here's how the church handles this. Here's how we navigate that. Here's how you should live in this way. Here's how you live when you face this situation. And right in the middle of it, before he moves on to other things, he drops this little phrase in here before continuing on with the other issues. I think that Paul, and he does this in various spots throughout his letters, I think he's feeling the tension that maybe they would be feeling as they're reading this or hearing this. And he drops this one little phrase, feels out of context. If you, if you were to read chapter 9 and then chapter 10 and then move on to 11 and 12, this phrase would feel out of place. But I think it's based on something that he's feeling in the moment. So he wraps up chapter 10 and go to 11.1. And Paul says this. He says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. 
follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. As I said, I, I can see Paul writing all these things and then stopping, processing the situation that these people are in, whether they're Jewish converts trying to navigate old versus new, my family is denouncing me, I'm facing all these different pressures, or these non-Jewish converts who are saying, man, I live in a difficult world. The Roman, for all the glory of Rome, there are these crazy issues that I'm trying to navigate, and I'm stepping outside of those. I'm trying to, Paul is trying to lead these people, these new Christians facing these new issues and these new challenges, and I can almost see Paul going, man, you know what? It's a lot of stuff. This letter's getting long. And some of this stuff is hard to do. Some of it's hard to understand. Paul's thinking, man, this, this is a big change from what you would normally do on your own. What I'm asking you to do is a big change from what the world is doing around you. And so it, it, it's almost like he's realizing, man, it's going to take a while for some of this to take root. And so in his mind, I can see him going, you know what? Let's do this. How about, how about you just follow me? Why don't you just do what I do and chase what I chase, live like I live, because I'm going to follow Jesus. And until you're old enough and mature enough and strong enough to successfully navigate your own path in, in pursuit of Christ, why don't you just follow me as I follow Jesus? And I can see this type of conversation playing out in a parent-child relationship. And it leads me to, to the big truth of today. And this will be kind of an overarching thing as we go through this series. And I believe this with all of my heart. In the midst of any generation, in the midst of any issues you might be facing, whether it's with your kids or at work, with family, whatever, whatever issues, whatever current events are happening around us that we're trying to navigate as believers, the absolute best way to be the best parent you can be is to follow Jesus as consistently and fervently as you possibly can. The absolute best way to be the best parent you can be is to follow Jesus as consistently and fervently as you possibly can. Where you say, okay, child, child of mine, okay, grandchild, okay, student that I have influence over, okay, nephew, okay, kid in my small group. I know this is a lot of stuff. And it's this same conversation I can see Paul having in his head with the people he's writing to. This is hard. Some of these things that we're learning, some of these things that I'm teaching you, some of these things that I'm raising you with are hard to understand. They're difficult to do. This is a big change from what you would normally do on your own, son. This is a big change from what you're going to see in the world around you, daughter. And so it's going to take a while for some of this to take root. And so let's do this. Why don't you just do what I do? Why don't you just chase what I chase? Why don't you just live like I live? Because I'm going to follow Jesus until you're old enough, until you're mature enough, until you're strong enough to successfully make your own path in pursuit of Christ. Why don't you just follow me as I follow Jesus? I can even restate this for some of you who are not parents. You could say, the absolute best way to be the best friend you can possibly be, the absolute best way to be the, the best grandparent you could possibly be, the best way to attract a good man into your life, the absolute best way to be the best volunteer you could possibly be, the best way to be the best single person who encourages other single people, the best way to navigate life after divorce that you possibly can, the best way to be the absolute best empty nester you can possibly be, 
is to follow Jesus as consistently and as fervently as you possibly can. It's the same truth in marriage. It's the same truth in pastoring. It's the same truth in being a boss. If you are chasing Jesus and growing in Christ, then your parenting will be Christ-like. If you are chasing Jesus and following Christ, then your spousing will be Christ-like. If you're chasing Christ and growing in Christ and growing in your faith, then your teaching will be Christ-like. Your wisdom will be Christ-like. And if you are chasing Jesus and you are pursuing Christ and you are trying to be more and more Christ-like, then what they will want to be, what your kids will want to be, what those under your influence will want to be is Christ-like. And as we mentioned in our Proverbs series last spring, when it comes to some of these truths, even this one, it's not a guarantee of success. But if you are spending your life in pursuit of being Christ-like, I like your chances. I like your chances. And this is all really good. And as I said, I believe this with all of my heart. But a, a huge operative word in all of this conversation is the word if. If you're following Jesus. That word fervent, that was a purposeful choice. Because the word fervent means having or displaying a passionate intensity. All of this is true if you are pursuing Jesus, if you are growing in faith, if you are trying to be more Christ-like. But many of us, many of you, many people watching, many people around us are not. At least not fervently. And so although there are many aspects of growing in our faith, many things that come along with being more like Christ and showing that to the next generation, showing that to the people that we have influence over, um, I want to give you a few things this morning, just some practical ways to chase Jesus as a parent, at least to kind of get you started. First one is this. Let your children see you prioritize your faith over something else you would normally prioritize. Let your children, even if it's just some aspect of your faith, let them see you choose some aspect of your faith over something else that you would normally choose. Let them see you value some aspect of your faith over something else that you would normally value. Now, th th those of you guys who have been around field, so you know, our, our family is into sports and vacations and hobbies and sleeping in and long weekends. All So this is not a put down of other things that we would normally choose in our lives. But... When was the last time you said no to anything because of a prior commitment to something faith-related? It could be church, could be a small group, could be just quality family time, it could be a personal quiet time that you set aside. When was the last time that you chose to say no to something else because of a previous commitment to something related to your faith? Because 99.99999% of the time, it's the other way around. What if your kids saw you choosing to say no or cancel something else so that you could prioritize faith in some way? And by the way, I want it to start with you, right? D don't say no to something for your kid until you've said no to something that you care about. Because here's how this plays out, right? As, I, as we do talks like this or challenges like this, mom and dad go home and they have a discussion and they pray about it and then they sit their kids down and say, hey, bud, Hey, just want you to know, mom and dad felt really challenged at church last week. 
really felt convicted. And so we think that we need to start making an important sacrifice around here. And so we're going to pull you from travel soccer. Something that we really feel is important to our faith. Right? So parents are like everybody else, right? We hear these sermons and we think, man, I need... Man, we need to make some changes in my kid's life. No, I'm talking about you. What is something that you have given up, something that you have been willing to sacrifice so that they can see you doing that in your faith? Let them see you prioritize some aspect of your faith over something else that you normally choose. Now, number two is related to number one because we do want the kids involved in the process. So the second thing is take a step of faith and include your kids in the process. Take a step of faith and include them in the process. Hey, kids, we're, we're going to give up this in order to do this instead. Hey, we're, we're going to take on this burden so that these other people don't have to carry it anymore. Hey, we're going to make a sacrifice as a family in this area so we can experience the joy of trusting God. Hey, mommy and daddy are going to be spending time doing this new thing. Even, even though it's new and it's going to take some time for all of us to get used to, but this is what God wants for our family, and so that's what we're going to be doing. I'm, I'm, honestly, I am so thankful that when Fieldstone got started a few years ago, our kids were old enough to be a part of it, right? Not just to kind of be tag-alongs and, and be in existence for the start of Fieldstone, but they were here painting and cleaning and helping at, at launch team meetings and being a part of things and difficult conversations about how come we could afford this last year, but we can't afford it this year, and how come we have to wait on things like Disney and stuff like that. They, those were huge conversations and huge things for them to be a part of. Take a step of faith and allow your kids to be a part of the process and let them learn from it right along with you. Third thing is this. This is going to be a hard one for some of you. Invest in your marriage as the most important human relationship in your life. Invest in your marriage as the most important human relationship in your life because it is. I know you love your kids, but your kids need to know that they are number three in your life behind Jesus and your spouse. Making your kids number one feels right in the moment until those kids have to choose which parent to visit when they come home from college break. Invest in your marriage as the most important human relationship in your life. Fourth one. I want to challenge you to put yourself around other people who are following Jesus. And many of you are, so I'll add in there maybe more often. More often, put yourself around other people who are following Jesus. This is discipleship stuff. This is iron sharpens iron type stuff. It's Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. We like to give that verse to teenagers, but it's true for adults too. You are who you hang around. It's true for your kids, and it's true for you. Some of you have crappy friends. Some of you, the main influences in your life are fools. Now, that's more on the negative side. Some of you simply didn't grow up with models of what it looks like to be a good mom or a dad or be a good husband or a good wife or be a good neighbor or be a good coworker. Some of you didn't have that picture given to you. That was outside of your control. And so I would say, find those people and get yourself around them on a regular basis. If you have no idea what it looks like 
to be a good dad, if you know, have no idea what it looks like to be a godly parent, if you have no model, if you have no mentor, find one. If you need help, I'll help you find one. Put yourself around other people who are pursuing Jesus because just like your picture is being given to your kids, you need a picture around you of what that looks like. So as we go over these next few weeks, I want to encourage you, it is difficult. 21st century is no cakewalk when it comes to raising kids. And so I want to throw some of these things out. And we've got some resources. Um, I'm going to put a picture on the screen of some of these two books to check out, maybe some things to listen to if you're just looking for good resources when it comes to parenting and things like that. First book is called Parenting Beyond Your Capacity. It's written by Reggie Joyner and Carrie Newhoff. Take a picture of the screen if you need to. Parenting Beyond Your Capacity. Just great all-around wisdom for parents. Kind of how to impact your kids beyond just what you have to offer. Kind of getting them around other influences and things like that. Second book, and this is a really good one, especially if your kids are kind of in that, that tweener stage. Like they're almost teenagers and they're starting to talk to you different than they used to. And they don't think it's cute to hug you anymore. This one's called The Space Between. The Space Between, written by a gentleman named Walt Mueller. The Space Between. Some of you are big into podcasts. A good podcast to check out is the Focus on the Family Parenting Podcast. They've got three or four different kind of categories of their podcast, but the Focus on the Family Parenting Podcast, highly recommend it. Just great wisdom and practical stuff running through there. We also have a thing called Right Now Media. Uh, A lot of you guys have been around long enough to know that we have this, but Right Now Media is a collection of just thousands and thousands and thousands of video resources. We use it for a lot of our small groups, Bible study type things, but there's stuff in there for kids, and they've got all kinds of categories, leadership, men, women, parenting, things like that. They've got um, sessions from all kinds of conferences, including parent conferences. So if you don't have access to Right Now Media, let us know. Uh, It's as simple as we just have to send you an email with a link and you set it up. It's like signing into Netflix. They've got an app for the phone. It's a great thing. Just good, solid biblical content all throughout that app. Right now, Media, strongly encourage it. And if there's other things, if you're dealing with very specific issues with your kids, we're happy to recommend some or happy to help you find some that can help you walk through some of those things. Um, And then as I mentioned, the Q&A cards, be sure to let us know if you have specific questions. Um, and, And this could be... Questions about how to take some of the content and apply it to a non-parenting world, too. So if you have things like that, let us know. Um, Because I think we can all agree that 21st century is crazy. But in every century, in every context, parents who serve raise kids who serve. Parents who are generous raise kids who are generous. Parents who tell the truth raise kids who tell the truth. Parents who work hard raise kids who work hard. Parents who live by faith tend to raise kids who live by faith. And parents who are chasing Jesus as consistently and as fervently as they can, I like your chances. Let's pray. God, we uh, just continue to ask your blessing on the next few weeks of this series. God, for any who need the wisdom, any who need the encouragement, God, just draw them either here in person or to online, just some of these resources. And God, as we Um, As a church, as we continue to encourage and uplift families of all life stages and generations, God, I pray that you would do your work in the midst of it. Help us to continue following your path. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys. Have a great afternoon. We'll see you next week.